welcome to Poke the Bear episode 154. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It's been an, an exciting last 24 hours. It's rare that we get to sort of be on the frontier of a new social media website of somewhere that might have some legs, threads. What are your What are your first impressions of this? I mean, it's fine, Evan. Like, ideally, uh, you know, Twitter, which we've all, I, I think, used for many years, uh, is functioning correctly, isn't run by a dipshit, and is causing us to have to migrate. So, perfect world, I would just stay on Twitter, and everything would be hunky-dory. But, alas, we'll see. Again, uh, we'll see if the actual migration does happen. But if you need to follow us on threads, we're on there. What is my handle? I don't even think I even know what it is, or whatever they call it. But we're both on there, and it's a good little safeguard in case uh, case things go to shit. But I'm not putting it in my outro yet in terms of where you can find me on threads. Just look me up, and I'm on there. It's there. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, I was shocked at how quickly brands and uh, teams migrated over. I mean, it, it launched late Wednesday, and by Thursday, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was tweeting about or threading about uh, you know, clam chowder in Boston and uh, the Bruins had stuff up from from Fenway uh, with the development camp. And, you know, you have brands, you have the the, the regulars, uh, you know, creating because it is linked to Instagram. I think that's why, like, there is a chance this catches on because it's with Instagram. If this was just a random website that just kind of popped up. I think right. it'd be a little different, but I think the Instagram element to it helps it. Um now again, Instagram has reels and TikTok still exists and TikTok does great. So like, can they coexist? Probably. But I told, I said this to you uh, at development camp on Thursday. There was a story, there was an article that popped up on my phone and it said like, check out the differences between threads and Twitter. And I'm like, well, that might as well be zero words because there are no differences. There is really nothing different between threads and Twitter. Um, nope. And so we'll see what happens. But I agree with you. I'm on there. I'm on there. So it's like Club Aqua. I go there. You go yes. there. You go to Club Aqua. I go there. Um, I'm don't curious. go to the patio. Yeah, no, don't go to the patio. Kim Kardashian's face fell off. Her head fell off. Um, People are like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's the heat. It's getting to our heads. Um, anyway, uh, we'll get to development camp in a second. Um, first, though, uh, the free agents met with uh, the Boston media on uh, on Wednesday. Some of them did. One of them was Morgan Geeky. And it's interesting because we just, we touched on him in, in Bruins beat as someone who this could be a big year for him. And the Bruins said to him, you know, you're going to have a bigger role than you're used to. You're going to have the opportunity for that, at least. Uh, do you think he is up to the task to fulfill a bigger role? Yeah, I'll be curious to see where exactly he does fit into the lineup. And some of it might depend on where exactly other guys are, right? If Bergeron or Krejci are back, then... You know, he could be a guy that's a third-line uh, player on the wing, which is where he played a lot of time this past year with Seattle. But if you're in a spot where both those guys aren't there and Coyle's bumped up into a top-six role, then maybe he's your third-line center, right? Like, I think regardless of where he fits in, um, he's a guy that seems like he's destined for more minutes. I mean, you look at just what he did this past year, especially when you wait against the fact he's only a $2 million cap hit. Um, it's not bad for, for what – what he's been able to produce down there. I mean, he's a guy who had 28 points last season while averaging 10, 27 of ice time per game. So that's below guys like Garnett Hathaway, who was 11 minutes. Friend Frederick was 11.55 of average ice time. That's a guy who didn't play a lot of, you know, special teams or anything like that. Even like Nick Foligno averaged uh, almost 12.30. So 
Uh, Geeky not really factoring that heavily into the lineup. So to get that amount of points for that limited uh, amount of reps, I mean, his 2.47, five on five points per 60 was, let me uh, do a little math here, 31st in the NHL among a pool of 593 skaters in terms of points per usage rate, essentially. Like beyond, again, beyond guys like Keller, Eichel, Dreisaitl, Ovechkin. I'm putting that on threads right now. That's going straight to threads. And again, like I think you preface that by saying it does not mean uh, just because Morgan Geeky, you give him 15, 16 minutes of ice time per game uh, or of added ice time per game, he's also going to be a 65, 70-point guy. That's not what we're saying, but in terms of what the the minutes that he had last year, um, there's more to build off of it, right? And I think you look at – uh, what he provides, you know, he's got a really good shot, has to work on his skating a little bit, but a big body at 6'3", can kind of do a little bit of everything, um, you know, can make you pay in transition with that shot, but can uh, bring the puck down low. Um, he's a guy that, you know, I, I don't know if he's exactly cut from the same cloth as a guy like Pavel Zaka, but I think the Bruins are hoping he kind of follows a similar script in terms of has talent, maybe was under, underutilized in a different role uh, on his previous team, and whether it's them getting just more growth out of his own game with those added minutes or also surrounding him with maybe higher end talent where, you know, last year he was on a very deep Seattle team, but not really a lot of high end skill on that fourth line. Um, they'll then get more out of them. So I think he's a guy, I think you look at the rest of the free agent signings, um, Milan Lucic, James Van Riemsdyk, even Kevin Shattenkirk, kind of know what you're getting with them. Uh, Geeky, you know, if he's a guy that gives you 20, you know, 20, 25 points in a bottom six role, this you know pretty solid value there for, for what he brings and versatility, good on faceoffs. But he gives you 40, 45 or something like that and develops into a great key piece for this team moving forward, especially at a $2 million cap hit. There's a, a higher return there for a guy. So he's definitely a guy I think it's worth following uh, as the season kind of goes on. Yeah, I mean, even as you were uh, talking, you mentioned, you know, if Coyle goes up into a top six role, um, you know, they may go if they don't do any more moves. They may go with Martian Bergeron Pasternak, you know, at times, and that would, I would believe, lead to a DeBrusque Zaka Coyle second line. Um, and then on the third line, you have Geeky as your uh, number three center. And as you said, high upside, you know, relatively high upside, similar to a Zaka type uh, in terms of, you know, where you're, how you're getting him, maybe underutilized in his last spot. Um, maybe you put him with, you know, James Van Riemsdyk and Trent Frederick. Um, you know, again, it, it does, that's not half bad. Like, I, that's why, again, I, the Bruins keep getting, you know, not keep getting by, you know, people who don't know a ton about the Bruins are getting, you know, crapped on for their free agent uh, performance. I, we said this on uh, in Bruins beat. I think it's pretty good. Like, I actually think that they, you know, are they Stanley Cup favorites? No, we didn't expect that. But they did a lot with not a lot of money. And this is an example of. Take kind of taking a flyer on a guy who has the tools to potentially reach higher in the lineup. You know, is he going to be a top six guy? It's hard to say yet. Probably not. Um, but even last year with Zako, he said, oh, it's a good third, you know, potential third line left wing develops into a second line stalwart. So um, again, you don't know with this, um, but you know, I think the opportunity is there. Uh, that's the biggest thing is the opportunity um, for a guy like Morgan Geeky uh, is there this year. So uh, we'll see what ends up happening with him. He'll be an interesting one to watch next season. Speaking of guys who have upside and potential, Bruins development camp's been this week. It's been great. Everybody's back. 
it's it's so hot outside, so it's nice, nice and cool indoors. That's my biggest takeaway from from this week. I can't hate that. Um, and it's always fun during development camp because you see, you know, the, the thoughts on different prospects. This one's ready for the to make the Bruins. This one's ready. You know, you ready to go to make a push for Boston. This and that. And there's no real blue chip prospect. There's no. I don't think there's any. You know, can't miss prospect in this pool. There's good ones, and we'll get to them. Um, but it, it let Ben's, it begs the question of, are there any prospects from this camp that crack the team next year? Yeah. I mean, I would say it's probably unlikely or a lot maybe has to go either really good for these individual players or a lot wrong for the state of the <laughs> NHL roster. Really bad. <laughs> the other way. I mean, I think the two most obvious ones, right, are Fabian Lysel and Mason Lorai. And again, I, if you're expecting them to, to push for a spot right out of camp, I just find that unlikely. Like Lysel, uh, high-end skill. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about him, especially, I mean, you look at the state of the Bruins prospect kind of pipeline, but he's a guy that if he hits at the NHL level could be a legit top six winger, right? And it's not to say that I think he's a 40-goal scorer, but I think he'd be a very productive player at the NHL level. Um, but still, this is a guy who kind of hit a wall last year in the AHL, kind of needed a, a bit of a fresh start. So, Barring him just going nuclear, you know, during preseason play, I think you start him in Providence, have him build his game up some more. And if he gets to November and he's got 20 points in 21 games or something like that, then maybe you reevaluate. Because he's a guy that I'm sure the Bruins would like to make a push. Like, I think you look at top six now and just looking on the wing, you have to imagine, right, like Martian, DeBrusque, first line, maybe, maybe. Uh, second line, like Van Riemsdyk, Pasternak, if – you have a, a point in the season where a guy like Lysel can push and all of a sudden you're able to put him in the top six and you put DeBrus back at left wing and all of a sudden you've got, you know, a lot of talent there in that top six. So he's a guy that definitely is worth watching. I think he's been really good during dev camp. He's was slowed down. He took a cheap shot uh, late uh, in the season and ended his first Providence year early. Um, still recovering from it on Thursday is the first day he actually didn't have a non-contact jersey on. So a little bit of a slower ramp up, but I mean, you can see the, see the skill, like the, the skating is there, playmaking, all that stuff. So again, don't think he'll, he'll crack the team out of camp, but someone that I think could be in line for a promotion if he really has a strong start to his second year. And Lorai, same thing, right? Like as of right now, the Bruins defense is set, but if you're moving on from a guy to make more cap room, Lorai is a guy that if he can push and all of a sudden be a, a third pairing guy out of the gate, um, you know, kind of cut his teeth in that role, not cost a lot of money. And I mean, if he's a guy that I think we've talked about before, if he hits, he's, uh, you know, he's either at his lowest level is a, maybe like a sheltered, but really good playmaking defenseman that you put in your third D pair. If he hits, he's like, I don't know, like John Carlson, right? Like in terms of like six, four big body, not necessarily going to be like a, a wrecking ball out there, but you know, just having a, someone who's, takes up that much space, can protect the net, while also, you know, move the puck with authority, uh, you know, generate shots from the blue line. There's so much value in just having those kind of, uh, you know, two-way players on your blue line. So, but again, guy that really didn't play all that much in Providence last year, finished up his sophomore year at Ohio State. So, barring, again, him really making a, a sustained push and other moves kind of falling where they might be in the Bruins' decor, don't see him starting the year. Still, you know, six four needs to put on some weight. Needs to, I think, adjust the AHL level. But those are the two guys that I think if all goes right. Would not put past like them checking them out in November, December if they get to the point and they're playing at a high level. 
I go back to this. We say this every year with these prospects. There is nothing wrong with extra time in Providence. Nothing. There's, you don't want to rush these guys. And Lowry is the interesting one because I think, you know, you know, myself spent last the entire last season in uh, in Providence. Lowry was, I think, there for five games after Ohio State mm-hmm. uh, bowed out. So, again, like he needs a season to adjust. Um, and as you said, if he's tearing it up, and it's December or January, and it's like, oh, you know, he deserves a look. Like, then that's legitimate. But give him the year to adjust to Providence. I think that's a very good thing. It's a it's a different style. Like, it's a pro game, more physicality, definitely faster. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Lysel's interesting also just because, uh, you know, you just look at it, as you said, like, you'd think, oh, maybe, you know, the second year he, he jumps up to Boston. It wouldn't surprise me with this lineup, as you said, to see him crack it at some point throughout the season, come up for a couple of games and sort of see what you have in him, uh, get his feet wet at the NHL level. Cause you said like, you know, if they do go uh, that route, um, if they went Martian Bergeron Pasternak and said, hmm, maybe, you know, we could keep coil on third line, put Lysel on the second as the, as the right wing, or, oh, we could put, you know, coil in the second and put Lysel on the third. Like there are options there. They have, um, you don't need to push it. Um, we both agree on, you know, so far through four days, it's been drills, you know, some, some battle drills, some one-on-ones and two V2s and things like that. But the real test is going to be uh, Friday, the day you're listening to this as a scrimmage at 10 a.m. That's where you see guys. That's where, you know, you really evaluate and how they play in games. So I, I try to not do a lot of like, oh, he was good in this edge work drill. You know, he's ready for the NHL. And you see that a lot with some of these guys. But Lowry is a very good skater for being 6'4". Like, really strong skater and you know if that can translate if those decisions can become quicker uh, at the ahl and nhl level with the puck and the physicality element if he settles into that like you have a i'm not gonna say franchise defense but you have a, a steady nhl defenseman potentially and i think that's a very good thing i don't think you know you don't need him to be charlie mcavoy or hampus Lindholm. you just need him to be steady and stable and I think yeah. he has the tools that could potentially kind of lead to that. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you look at it, not even this year, but look at next season when you're kind of building a foundation, you got a lot of guys signed long-term. We've already talked about it. You got a lot of uh, cap space that you can really spend and retool. If you don't have to focus on your decor and your top four for the next four or five years is Lori McAvoy, uh, Lindholm Carlo, one, a lot of half there. And again, you can look at, Brennan Carlo and these guys and, and Mason Laura maybe aren't bruisers, but in terms of just being bigger bodies, um, if that's your top four and you got three, you know, four guys who can do a little bit of everything, uh, Carlo's great on the PK, um, still at a really young age, you know, Lindholm's the oldest one by next year. will be what, 30, 31? Like he's still in the prime of his time, of his career. Like if you're building towards something, uh, you've got a pretty good foundation to start with just on that blue line. Nah, you got to blow it up, blow the whole thing up. Who wants yes. that? Yes, Who exactly. So, yeah, I think you look long-term beyond just this year. If you can get uh, guys like Lorai and Lysel into games, have them get used to the NHL level, and especially next year, like that's why I think we mentioned on the last podcast, like this upcoming season should at least offer some more clarity for the Bruins in terms of got a lot of money to spend, but hell, if we don't have to spend – on a guy like Noah Hannafin because we have a left shot D <clears throat> like Mason Lorai in place, say just one more, we can use that for a center. We know that guy like maybe like Sel can step in and could be a 20, 25 goal scorer on the wing and a, a middle six role uh, moving forward, save money there as well. Right. So uh, maybe don't pay really Jake 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like it's one of those things that uh, beyond just this year, and you hope that for any of these teams, especially team like the Bruins that are so cap crunched that some younger players step into larger roles. And, you know, it's not even just looking at those guys. You can look at Lauco or anyone else, but um, you look at just what the Bruins need from guys like Lysel and Lori. Be fascinating to see just if they can make a push because, again, I don't think they're going to rush them, but it would. Them, I'm sure they'll be very happy if they are putting up really impressive numbers right out of the gate down in Providence. Yeah, I think it would make a huge difference because, again, this prospect pool is not ranked high. It's not uh, you know, particularly amazing one or anything like that. Um, but if those two can hit at the NHL level and be legitimate players, that's pretty damn good. That's not too bad for what you got. Um, that d- Just because we're talking about those two guys does not mean there aren't other standouts because there, there are other guys who have stood out through four days um, it'll be interesting to see in the scrimmage on Friday. Uh, who have been some of the guys that you've that have caught your eye? Yeah, I think one guy is definitely Matthew Quatra. If I hopefully I haven't butchered that name, but <laughs> I think you look at kind of that next wave of talent. I think what's the biggest issue for this team long term? It's uh, depth down the middle, right? And again, yes. Quatra is a guy that um, we'll see kind of what his next step is. Probably is going back. I think to golf uh, next year uh, back in the OHL, but. You look at what he's able to produce this last year. A guy that was drafted in the second round, people didn't know what exactly he was as a player, showed some flashes, need to work on his skating. Uh, almost had 100 points uh, in the OHL this past year. And I think you notice, um, even compared to last Dev Camp, where I think you saw some flashes, but he seemed like he was a guy that was going to get most of his chances off of just being kind of a crafty, smart player. And I think he's still like that. I don't think like the, the skating or anything like that is has stood out. It's not like Brett Harrison, another center who's got a really good shot, but I think you see him just being more confident, a little bit stronger on, on the puck. And those things can make a world of difference when you're, I think you're a guy that thinks the game well, and is really crafty like Poitra. So, um, you know, put up really big numbers in the OHL if he's back there this year, but he's a guy that, again, I think maybe we probably just hyper-focused on the center prospects. The Bruins so desperately need one, but I think if you're looking for a guy that has potential, you know, top six aspirations. There's a lot to like about what a guy like Quattro can do. It's not like it's just like one skill set. It's all about being crafty, slowing the play down, uh, you know, seeing the ice well. He's a guy that if he does, uh, you know, if he does turn to the next level, could have a very sustainable, effective NHL career. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I've seen some stuff out there of like, oh, po- uh, Poitra is ready for the NHL and the Bruins roster. It's like, nah, man, like pump the brakes. Like th- that's not, that's not the case. Um, and again, I don't think you can take that away from any of the four drill days we've, we've seen so far, but that's the thing. It's like, just, there's no reason to rush these guys. And, and we go back to like the raw, the NHL roster is not, you know, as good as it was last year. There's no way it could be, but it's fine. You don't need to rush prospects to to get people. And even if, I guess if you were tanking, you wouldn't need to rush prospects either. Cause it's like, who, who the hell needs, uh, you know, to win or anything. Um, I know uh, one guy that's caught my attention is Ryan Mast on D. Uh, big guy, 6'5". Um, I know, obviously, kind of how can't he catch your attention? He's so big. But I like his skating uh, so far. Uh, when a big guy like that can move um, and has sort of the, you know, the good edges and these, you know, he's he's quick for his, uh, for his size and, and height, uh, there's encouragement there. Um, doesn't mean that he's fully ready for the NHL, but that mixed with physicality if he can develop a year in providence if he ends up there uh this upcoming year after being in uh i think he's in sarnia this past year mm-hmm. 
that's not bad. Like, you know, maybe that's a guy who someday becomes a stable third pairing guy that, you know, plays penalty kill and, you know, can block some shots and things like that. So like, to me, he's someone that has stood out for that reason. And I think, you know, um, you you see teams like the Islanders lock guys like that up for seven years, which I wouldn't go that far. um, Right. But I am curious to see how he develops this season because yeah. I think there is something there in terms of just his movement. Um, and maybe that, you know, translates to some sort of success at the pro level. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's the most important thing for any of these players is just finding out what their role is and not like just like, you know, focusing in on just what exactly they were projected as when they were drafted, right? Like maybe in Fabian Lysel just becomes really effective third line guy, right? Like I, I look at someone like Johnny Beecher and people will look at him as a first round pick and be like, well, he could be a really good fourth line center. They're like, well, you drafted them in the first round. I'm like, well, if he's like your Sean Corrali for the next five years and brings you the value that Corrali did, you know, when he was at the top of his game, there's value there in terms of what those guys bring and what their role is. Um, so, yeah, if Mask can, or any of these guys can become someone that can sl- slot in and be just a stalwart in whatever their role is, whether it's in the third pair, second pair, what have you, there's value just having guys that have the skill sets, have the ability to – fill into, you know, consistent minutes at the NHL level. So that's what you hope for if you're the Bruins. You're not hoping you're hoping to hit a home run every single time. But even if it's a guy that takes a step back or their trajectory changes a little bit in terms of where the development is, as long as they're taking out a roster spot and they're making the most of it and performing to their duties, you'll take that. You'll take it. Produce a little bit. Uh, put, you know, have some value. You know, the Corrali thing is a smart one with, with Beecher. Like, you know, I, I remember uh, obviously at the time it's like, oh, you know, should he be in a first round pick? Well, they picked him in in the first round. You know, we can't go back and change that decision. You, all you can do is hope uh, that uh, that he ends up, you know, reducing at the NHL level. And I think all signs point to him being a strong fourth line center, which is there's nothing wrong with that. You know, not there's anything wrong with that. Sign for reference. Yes. Um, anyone else that's caught your eye this week? Yeah, I'd say one other guy I'd mention is Andre uh, Gasso, who's a seventh round pick, but has really uh, impressed so far down in uh, at Boston College. Again, seven-round pick, you don't really know what you're expecting from him, guys. He's a bit of an overager guy. Um, but you look at, you know, his skill set, 6'4", uh, you know, power forward type player. Usually that's a guy that, especially when you look at where he was drafted and what that role is, you go up to the, you know, NCAA level. There's a lot of learning curves or adjustment, especially for some guys that are still kind of feeling out their body or, or feeling, you know, where exactly they fit into a line of what their role is. And he was like earning top six minutes on BC and was and was dominating. I mean, he had a lot of really skilled players next to him, but I think uh, Jamie Langenberner kind of touched on that. It's not to say that his whole style, I think he had almost 30 points as a freshman, which is really impressive, but it's not to say that he's just like the third wheel on a, a very, you know, top, you know, high skilled line for the Eagles. It also falls on the player to complement those players and do the little things well, whether it's driving to the net, creating space like a guy like him knows what his role is and um it, it fit in pretty well for for what he provided so if he's the guy that can hit and again i don't think he's a, a top six guy but if he's a big body power forward that can just knows to play to his strengths drive to the net create space you know get those second chance pucks uh, and bury them lot to like for again a seventh round pick like the bruins as much as you look at seventh round picks and where value is whether it's guys like him ty gallagher all these kind of guys at the very least, they look like guys that are going to make that jump up to the AHL and are going to be in the mix. And if you're a seventh-round pick, kind of all you, all you can ask for, right? So we'll see kind of how those guys develop. But just for his first year at BC, 
really encouraging signs, and considering the amount of talent BC has coming in this year, Oof. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's going to have also another pretty impressive stat line. So he's a guy I think is definitely worth watching because um, I think he's been really really good in camp so far. Yeah, and also a lot of competition. My God, all those guys yeah. coming in: Smith, Leonard, Perot, Cheese. Um, Gasso's a good one. Um, Myronberg came over in the Stadnika trade. Uh, interesting guy. I'm curious to see him in the scrimmage on Friday. Um, solid skater. Maybe you have something there on D. Um, another sort of Ryan Mass situation where a guy comes in and you know fills a you know bottom pairing role. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, now again, overall the prospect pool is not there. It is not full of guys that you know. I don't think you know aside from Lysel and and Lowry, there's no one that's like oh you know this guy's got you know potential to be a superstar. You know, like there's none of that in this in this group. Um, but yeah, like a Beck Beckett Hendrickson, mm-hmm. interesting player, you know, curious to see what happens there, could compete, things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's been no one else that, you know, again, we haven't seen the scrimmage yet. Things could change right. with the scrimmage. Um, you know, who stands out there, who doesn't. Um, is there anyone else from Dev Camp that we haven't touched on that has uh has caught the the Connor Ryan's attention? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, I think, is just individual skill set things. So, I mean, like Harrison, Brett Harrison, someone who uh, suddenly got in the murky love treatment where it's a lot of, like, high-end skill offensively. He needs to work on some other things. So we'll see kind of how he develops moving forward. But uh, I think it was Langan Brunner who said he can kind of score from everywhere. He's got a heavy, accurate shot that every time he kind of gets the, the puck on his stick, you're watching for it. And he's been able to do quite a bit of damage during these kind of limited drills we've seen. So he's a guy that um, is definitely, I think, worth watching for um during the scrimmage and i think he's going to start this upcoming year on the wing in providence so if he gets going there and he had that one timer kind of translates to um a strong start for him he's definitely someone to keep in the mix as well yeah and uh dan's lock mellis is i think going to umass in the fall so obviously gotta keep tabs on him of course. My goodness um but yeah interesting guys another one uh, before we go mason langenberger uh i'm curious to see on uh on friday because the skating again look pretty good the defense the defense has worked a ton on skating this week and things like that so um he's a guy that moves pretty well again he's uh six three so you know a lot of big bodies back there if they can skate too can be dangerous can be dangerous sometimes uh what's never dangerous is following connor's work over at uh, boston.com of the boston globe what can you look forward to from you over there <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna have you covered every step of the way, Evan. In terms so dangerous. Of, uh, <laughs> yes, we covered every step of the way uh, throughout this offseason. Again, it's gonna slightly calm down a little bit here uh, now that Dev Camp's done. But whether it's additional signings, trades, looking at the guys the Bruins have brought in, we'll have you covered every step of the way over at Boston.com. So please read over there. You can also follow me on Twitter. Not we're not talking about threads yet. On Twitter, still at Connor Ryan underscore ninety three. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. We're presented by FanDuel. Have a great rest of your week.